You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Broken records, the albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Daniel Nolan. Hey, y'all. Today's guest is drag legend Russ King, a.k.a. Miss Richfield 1981. Miss Richfield 1981 is one of the most popular and enduring stars of the Provincetown Summertime Entertainment Circuit. In fact, the must-see act in Provincetown, according to the New York Post. Her live performances regularly sell out. Repeat engagements in New York, Chicago, San Francisco, San Diego, Philly, Atlanta, Florida, and Minneapolis. And she is one of the most popular shows on Atlantis Cruises. Miss Richfield has been on a plethora of TV shows, from The Tonight Show with Jay Leno to Cake Boss on TLC. And she is internationally recognized as the television spokesperson for travel company Orbitz. We are obsessed with her because she is the master of audience interaction, and her shows achieve a rare synergy of performer and spectator that transcends the realm of nightclub entertainment. Here, here, I couldn't have said it better myself. I know, that's why you gave me that line. Okay, tell the folks at home what you love about Miss Richfield, Daniel. I love her irreverence. Um, she's all never afraid to push the envelope. There are some things <laughs> that she has said on that stage that nobody else would be able to get away with. And she not only gets away with it, but is applauded and celebrated for it. And it's that so is what true. I love in a drag queen. It's so true. It's funny because... People talk so much, I mean, they used to talk about PC and sort of complain about things having to be PC. Mm-hmm. And nowadays, you know, it's a lot of the opposite where we're like, no, God damn it, PC was actually right. Like, you know, we want the world to be like a safe space for people sure. to live in, you know, and like, mm-hmm. um, and you find that the people that complain about that most tend to be the ones who then get their panties in the biggest bunch if it doesn't go the their biggest. way. It just threatens their, you know, entitlement right. or whatever, privilege. But um, but there's something just special about Miss Richfield where I've just never seen seen anyone buckle at her brashness you know right and it's done the energy in the room is one of love and it's it's not she's not like roasting people it's not like a hateful energy it's it's a very um 
gracious. I'm, you know, we're laughing together. We're here having this moment, sharing this moment together. And it's interesting. She chose um, the "Free to Be You and Me" album because it's. Oh it's, wow! Yeah, I didn't even think of that. It's it's very much like I, we're celebrating our freakdom together. We're and all outside. Definitely not the same. Not the same. <laughs> So, by the way, that thing that we constantly say, we just right. tell the two people in the audience right. that don't get it, which uh, I'll let you tell them. Well, it is it is the the final monologue, I guess, from Barbara Streisand. Oh, it's not a teleprompter; it's a monologue, that's right. for sure. It's right after she says something about the problems of life in our big cities, <laughs> which is just the broadest, least intelligent thing I've ever heard her say. But uh, I think Donald Trump says it now. <laughs> truly, truly. So. Um, Anyway, but Miss Richfield's someone who doesn't mind making fun of the things that most people, you know, like you're saying, get their panties in a bunch about. It's like, like RuPaul says, you know, drag is about um, not taking yourself too seriously. And Miss Richfield uh, and others like her remind us of that. And it, it's all about fun. And especially somewhere like P-Town, where you're already, you go for a vacation, you go to relax. It's she and people like Dina and Varla just help you to yeah. sink into that warm bath of I mean, when you vacation. see Miss Richfield coming up Commercial Street on her little scooter oh, with her, like, seven-foot, like, <laughs> 1950s Tupperware party hair. That makeup. And those cr- crazy makeup, those enormous glasses. Yeah. Just honking. And I, does she ride side saddle or something? I feel like she's always, like, akimbo. She is akimbo. You know, I was just thinking, I had a visual just now of uh, <laughs> Elaine Stritch walking down, you know, Central Park West in her fur coat mm, and her, mm-hmm. her hose. It's like, Miss Richfield has a similar... Not silhouette, but a similar uh, energy vibe and yeah. energy. Because the only difference is Miss Richfield's kidding and Elaine Stritch right, is right, right. freaking serious. Totally. But that's very true. But, you know, very lanky, very um, just happy and, and unique. And, and maybe, well, maybe that doesn't fit Elaine, the happy part. But, uh, you know, just free to be you and me. Well, it, it's, like, it's like, it's um, like, it's like. Even if Elaine was angry or unhappy, there was something sort of like buoyant. Is a that spring the right in word? her step. Yeah, yes. definitely totally. a spring. I mean, maybe that was the Bloody Mary she had with breakfast. You never know. But it was a um, Cosmo, and it was at lunch, <laughs> <laughs> as she says in uh, Broadway: The Golden Age. I never got into that drugstore scene. I was going to saloons. <laughs> um, no strawberry phosphates for Miss Stritch. That's right, honey. Um, so how are you? What's going on? How how's life? Life is good. I'm just so happy to be here during the gay games. The gay games. <laughs> Back to Barbara Streisand the concert. Um Streisand, like the sand, sand on the beach. ocean. Sand, the sand on the ocean. Sand <laughs> God. The beach, I'm a little wonky because I, I got up at five in the morning to fly in from Cincinnati right. this morning. Oh, and, and we should mention um We've thrown you bit, uh, listeners for a loop because we just did Broadway Con with Judy Kuhn, which was a great success. It but, was magical. But unbeknownst to us, the audio will not be available until uh, tomorrow or the next day. So Going back have, to our original schedule of having Miss Richfield tomorrow. And then Judy Kuhn will close out um, season one uh, in, you know, yes. as, in a wonderful finale episode. And then we will continue with uh, season two after that. Yes. Yes, we will. And we're very excited about season two. Yes. I can't give it all away, but if the name Nina Small sounds good to you... (laughs) 
<laughs> Nina Smalls. Wait, who's that? The Tony-winning star of Schmed Schmig. And the those... Schmangry Um, I mean, we do have... I mean, so far, the lineup we have is... is um, they're all legends, and you know them. You know them well, and we adore them. And um, you know, also we're putting out again the um, what's the word like call to arms to send in your Dolly concert kill submissions. Yes, please. We so enjoyed the Dolly concert kill submissions that uh, you sent in, mm-hmm. and we would like to enjoy even more of them. Yes, and we will at the end of this segment. We will be. Um, Reading and replying to a couple of those, so um, maybe we should give each other a couple. Okay, let's like play. Let's play the game. Let's play the game. Let's Let's do the work. Throw down. Do the work. That's what it's all about. The work. Okay, um, you give me one first. That's not usually how we play. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna give you one that is in keeping with uh, the theme of the last couple episodes. So it's gonna be good. Okay. Um, Okay, Dolly concert kill. Dolly concert kill. Miss Richfield, Miss Richfield, nineteen eighty one. Jean Merman. Oh, really? Oh, and, all drag. And um, uh, Dina Martina. Oh, this is hard. Um, okay, well, you know I love me some Varla, mm-hmm. but I really want to see Miss Richfield as Dolly Levi sure. because I really think she is really right for the part. Like. And I would want her to have that scooter involved. <laughs> but I really want, like, I want her to come down the stairs on one of those, like, scooters that goes down a Yeah, like stair. honking a horn. Yeah. <laughs> I think she would be a spectacular yeah, dolly. Totally. As a matter of fact, like, what are we doing sitting here? Let's produce Hello Dolly in P-Town next summer starring Miss Richfield. Totally. Varla totally. would actually be very good as um, um, Irene Vermeer's Down My Back. Yeah. And then, as you know, as I've said before, uh... I would like to see Dina Martina in concert every night of my life. Totally. And I don't ever need that to change, and I will continue to want that. Totally. Even in the game. Totally. So, okay, now I I give you... Sure. Okay. I'm so tired. Let's just go to sleep. (laughs) Um, uh, Okay, so I would give you, then, um, in keeping with the game we've been playing... Uh The gay game. I would give you Judy Kuhn. Okay. I would give you Faith Prince. Uh-huh. And I would give you Linda Etter. Oh, okay. Here we go. Here I know you were hoping I'd say Kara Lee, but I'm not going to make it that easy on you. No, that'd be too easy. Okay. I will say I have to I have to see Faith Prince as Dolly. Um, you know, her comedic chops would really come in handy. And after seeing her cabaret show in P-Town, I, I know that she is um, very right for the part. She is. The way the audience just worshipped her. Um, and then I would have to see... I'd have to see Judy in concert. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. voice. Um, and then we saw Linda in concert um, in uh, Provincetown, which was fabulous. But unfortunately, I'll have to uh, send Linda on a little vacation. Oh, you're, you're giving yourself the Dolly concert chill version rather yeah. than the full kill? Yeah, well, whatever vacation means to you, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, death is the ultimate vacation. Don't listen, honey. Some say you're gay. Um, okay, so one more round. Well, now let's just now do let's, it. Let's, let's do our go own. To, now let's go to the submissions. Okay, yes, let's. All right, then. So I have some Dolly Concert Kills. DCK! I have DCK submitted from our listeners. Um, so first off, we are going... He's pulling these out of his... Oh, no, I see. It's on the screen. Oh, yeah, out of my digital brazier. 
So the first is a friend of the pod, Sam Durbin, a.k.a. Brianna Banana, out of Chicago, Illinois. Is that the boy from the beach? No, no, it's my other friend, Sam. This is my friend, Sam, who I went to college with. Ah. Um... He so he sent us a lot and they're all categorized. Oh my oh my. So we'll work our way through them week after week. But okay. we're gonna start off with um seventies divas. Yes. He sent us three seventies divas. Okay. Cher, mm-hmm. Diana Ross, mm-hmm. Elton John. Mm. So I'll let you go first. I would see Cher as Dolly, I would see Diana in concert, and I would kill Elton. Yeah, I have to do the same. I mean, I would like to see Diana as Dolly, but not... Why? Not more than Cher. I mean, just, I, just, I could see star. Diana in something, you know, she's a but I don't know if she'd be funny in Dolly. She probably wouldn't be funny. Cher would be funnier, but but I, I, like to, I, would, I want to hear Diana sing those songs more, because Diana, I like her voice more. But, um, but, I mean, Cher walking down that staircase in that headdress, which already <laughs> is so Cher. It's already so Cher. Yeah, so I have to do that. Kill Elton. Okay, next from Sam Durbin, we have Living Legends, Mm. Cheetah Rivera, Mm -hmm. Angela Lansbury, Mm. and Julie Andrews. Cheetah, Angela, and Julie. This is so hard. Okay, well, um, I have seen Cheetah and... No. I've seen Cheetah in concert. Mm Mm-hmm. I've seen Cheetah and Angela in shows, and I think I've been lying and saying that I saw Julia and Victor Victoria, but I definitely mm. didn't. Did you see Liza? No. <laughs> but I didn't need to. Um, uh, okay, so um, I think, though, the question is, I mean, I almost, I mean, my gut is like, all things being equal, I'd rather see Cheetah's Dolly than the other people's Dolly because mm-hmm. it's more in her musical comedy wheelhouse. But I think I'm like punishing Angela for a mm. little bit of music. Oh, I mean, I obviously love Angela, but the fact that I would even say Dolly is more in her wheelhouse than Angela's is insane, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. the wheelhouse of Dolly if not the wheelhouse the of Jerry me? Herman leading lady? Right. <laughs> so, like, shouldn't um. But I keep thinking of how Angela just, like, was sort of, like, not quite on the money in night music. And also, I've seen Cheetah in the costume because of Jerry's Girls, and sure. it just feels like it just so right. Yeah. I just see her, like... You imagine the little jig she would do? <laughs> yeah, I can. But then I'm also kind of like, bitch, I've seen it. Mm. Like... How about Julie Andrews? Like, I mean, she's the real, like... Dolly she's, will never go away again. It'll be more like, Dolly will never go away! Yeah, yeah, a little of Fraulein Maria spunk. I mean, but, like, even if you take out, like, the vocal, like... Like, I just feel like... I mean, Julie, more than Angela or Cheetah... Mm-hmm. The way that Bet walked down the stairs and you're like, fuck you, Patty LaFone. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like, Julie could come down the stairs and just be like, oh, Broadway. I mean, she does have like the graceful, 
gracious presence that would completely change the role for me. I mean, when she went away from the lights of 14th Street... <laughs> Into my personal haze. It's so... Come on. I mean, you kind of want it. I mean, I... Yeah, I mean... Although... You're kind of convincing it'd me. It'd be the first time that there was ever a Dolly where instead of being like, put back the Merman song, world, take me back, yeah. you're like, put back the random Merman ballad I can't remember. Yeah. And also give her ribbons on my back. Come on. For fuck's sake. Right. Kate... Really? Kate Baldwin's gonna sing that when Julie Andrews right, is backstage right. drinking Gatorade. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go with Julie Dolly. Oh, my. And then Angela in concert. Because you know what? Oh, it's about fucking time, such Angie. Such a turn. Yes. How long is she going to make us wait? I mean, I feel forever. Although, it's you, not too damn late. We hear those rumors. There's that album somewhere hidden away, right? Well, how about we make the album live now? Oh, can you imagine? Go to the Carlisle. Go to 54 Below. Mm. One night only at the Gershwin. I don't pay, care. I would pay. The Winter Garden. Like, I didn't, would not care if she came out and she was like, light the candles. <laughs> <laughs> she could talk sing light the entire the candles. night. Yeah. I don't care if she's got a teleprompter and three music stands and an ear plate, you know? Yeah. And then Cheetah, I mean, God bless her. Some of my most thrilling nights have been watching Cheetah, but sure. they've already happened. Right, right. So I'm, so I'm gonna have to say sorry, Cheetah. All right, Cheetah. I mean, my it's oh wow, this has been this has taken such a turn. I, I, my f- initial instinct, hands down, no questions, was Angela as Dolly, um, Julie in concert, and kill Cheetah. But I mean, you've really convinced me now that I need to see Julie as Dolly because I just need to see it. Because I mean, I've even seen if Angela's, you just go I back mean, and Angela's Angela's sake. Name. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of know what Angela's Dolly would be like, right? And like, you have no idea what Angela's concert would be like. She might teach That's you right. something about singing. That's Whereas right. Julie's concert, you know exactly, exactly what it would what be, like. be like. Yeah, That's true. I mean, you've convinced me. I'm gonna have to do Julie Dolly as well. Angela in concert, still kill Cheetah. Pleasure doing business with yes. you. Thank you, Sam Durbin. That was quite the submission. Quite. All right, that was fun. Please uh, keep your submissions coming. Uh, you can send them to brokenrecordspod at gmail.com. And now, without further ado, let's talk to Miss Richfield 1981. Here's Miss Richfield 1981. I think I brought a copy and Braille. I'll just. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're busting our gut laughing at Russ King, a.k.a. Miss Richfield 1981. Fabulous. The must show in Provincetown for how many years? Oh my goodness, such an introduction. My gosh, I'm glowing. I'm glowing over here. I wish we weren't on the radio so you could see my bright, smiley face. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, blog, radio. You know, I'm an old queen. It's radio to me. It's radio is Yeah, if there's no visual, it's radio to me. It's reel-to-reel tape to me. Well, you've got a face for TV, Ampex, not radio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. That, that never sadly was the case even when I was younger. But um, um, I've been in Provincetown. This is the end of my 17th season, which is so hard to believe. I think Varla's been here for 21 years and Dina 15. And there's just been a little group of us that have really understood, um, you know, the value of it is just Mm -hmm. beyond belief. I mean, it's it's why I can be a full-time artist. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have Provincetown, I wouldn't be a full-time artist. And and then there's no other town like this, is there? You know, I try to drive that home. 
to the homosexuals, mm-hmm. you know, of, of whom I am one or of which I am one. I'm not sure how to say that correctly. But, um, <clears throat> and my background's in writing, sadly. Having, having um, walked down a commercial to get here, I definitely think it's a witch, not a whom. Yeah. Based on what we're... Right. <laughs> is that an it? I'm not sure. Anyway, but, you know, the weird thing about it is that um, I just don't think people realize how fortunate we are. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a handful of us that really do um, but I just don't think the journal community has a clue how fortunate we are to have this because you can use the word unique very seldom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. as writers, you know, we know, you know, the, the words we're not supposed to use and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. We should really yeah. shouldn't say unique because really, you know, nothing's unique. And I say this would be the one exception in my life because wow. it really is. And dare I say nothing worldwide like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. And that's, freaky when you think mm-hmm. about that I'm a cog in this wheel is like amazing to me yeah. that I can have the privilege and I always tell people it's not who's most talented it's you know it's a lot of it's timing a mm-hmm. lot of it's stick to a lot of it's where you are in life you know mm-hmm. I was able to pick everything up and just move for the summer mm-hmm. you know if I had kids I wouldn't have done that you yeah. know if I had a, a partner I probably wouldn't have done that mm-hmm. but you know I was just able to to do that and get myself out of I was in a terrible financial state and really? when I came oh I didn't have money for a hotel so when I put the shit and the two cats into my little pickup truck and sailed out here the first time I had to sleep in parking lots because oh I didn't have enough money for And where, where was the gig that you were doing then? It was at the Crown and Anchor. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And that's where I started. I think that's um, where I saw you the first time. Yeah, yeah I saw in you the cabaret where Dina is now. Oh, yeah. I saw you in the, in the yeah. big room there. Yes, yeah, in the big room. I ended, up, I ended up going, I was in, um, I worked seven days a week um, in the hype of the season for those that fat ten weeks that we have mm-hmm. I would work seven days a week I would do Showgirls on Monday mm-hmm. to advertise my show so that was really interesting. oh was Showgirls originally your thing no but it was at the crown originally ah, okay. and so I you know got into that and just that was good advertising and good visibility then I would do my show Tuesday, and then I would do karaoke for three hours on Wednesday. Then I would do Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then Monday I would do, you know, Showgirls, and uh-huh. Tuesday I would do a show. And I mean, I just did that. And I was 41 when I started. I'm 57. And you know, you're such an institution in P-Town now. And, you know, it's another word for old, but thank you. No, but I mean, when, when, you, were, <laughs> when, you, were, when you were the wee age of 41, I mean, but having, having this, when this was your first summer here, how did you sell that many nights? You know what? A lot of it is timing. And um, I think Dina and I were both privileged to start at a time where Provincetown wasn't as busy. I think when, mm-hmm. I don't know what it was like when Varla first started. Um, that would have been another, you know, whatever, five years or four mm-hmm. years before me. Um, I guess it was four years before I started. But when I got here, it was a hand of God moment because I had been trying to get in for four years. That was the fourth summer that I finally got in. And uh, Tropical Joe's had closed, which was a um, a bar with entertainment. Mm-hmm. The Vixen, which is now the Pilgrim House where I perform, had mm-hmm. changed hands. Oh, somebody was so that wasn't being yeah. that yeah. essentially yeah. wasn't being used because they were kind of changing hands and changing management. So there really wasn't much going on here. There was no um, art house. There was no theater. Mm-hmm. There was no um, uh, almost nothing at Town Hall. There would be like one thing at Town Hall all season or mm-hmm. two things. They'd have maybe something on the 4th of July and something for a carnival and that would be it. Now there's something there like every week practically yeah. and sometimes two shows. And, um, and that's 750 seats. And uh, so now there... So the only places that were doing shows when I started in Provincetown was the um, 
the beautiful uh, and fabulous Post Office Cafe. Mm-hmm. She's been here for a long, long time, has a long history, and that's where Varla was. And then, uh, and Jimmy James was there when I first mm-hmm. got here. And then the Crown and Anchor. So it was only like four shows mm-hmm. at the most. There would be like four shows a night. Now there's like up to eighteen or nineteen shows a night, and there's twenty five acts in town any that's given so week. Crazy. Wow. And so God. it's hard to make a living. It's not so hard for us because mm-hmm. we have a, we're established. Right. Yeah. But the newer people, I just you know tell them, hey, you know, hang in there. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as tough for us. Um, because we just didn't have the competition. So I don't know today when I make you, it. You, I don't even know. But you created yeah. this in a sense. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. But it was a much, much easier uh, but it, but way that's to not, do it. You can say that, but, you know, I mean, for example, if you were to go to Fire Island mm. or Rehoboth right. and try to create what has happened here. Oh, I mean, it's almost no. like life developing on earth. What yeah. were the and this perfect developed, storm that this happened? This developed back like in the fifties, mm-hmm. you know, when it was really a, a difficult place to get to. It was almost impossible to get here. Property was nothing because nobody could, mm-hmm. you know, families would just walk away from houses because it was so difficult to get here. And then, and that's how um, Key West was. They were impossible mm-hmm. to get there. So that's where the gays went, you know, because mm-hmm. they could hold hands and they could go on the beach. They had a oh, private so beach and all that. Yeah. I never and thought that, about the geographical difficulties of yeah. being what made mm-hmm. it a gay scene. And that's what made it a gay space. scene. And the unfortunate part of it, of the situation, is that Key West developed into more B&Bs, mm-hmm. um, which are fabulous. Uh, that's certainly nothing to say anything bad about that. Um, but people spend their time in B&Bs, mm-hmm. op- clothing optional, and they're mm-hmm. super fun. They have pools and... They're fabulous, but Provincetown never really got into that, and so people spent their time on the beach and on the street, mm-hmm. and it just kind of pushed everybody out. And then because it's the land of divine, you know, performed here in Wayland Flowers and Madam, right. and you know, word was Judy Garland showed up at different times, and oh. um, so it has this amazing history of talent. And then again, not anything I did, but people started doing shows, then people started, you know, doing five nights a week. And When you started, were there, was there a regular, were there regular acts the way that you and Dina and yes, Varla are now? there already were. Because, um, you know, Varla's been here 21 years, and she, and it was existed before she got here, too. But, but who um, were the people, who I was the generation know. before you? That, that would be a question to ask Varla and to ask old-timers in town, because there was Musty Chiffon, and there was, um, I'm trying to think of some of the older ones that I don't know, but people, I hear the names come up from time to time, people have good memories of them, and oh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a lot of what Provincetown is, to me at least, is, you know, a lot of the characters really come to life on the streets as well, so it's not mm-hmm. like you're buying a ticket and you walk in, and, you know, somebody comes on stage and then you walk out of theater and it's over, like mm-hmm. you would a Broadway show or anything yeah. else or most plays... But it's a, it's a little different because, you know, you walk down the street and, you know, Var, you, you might run into Varla, you might run into Leah Delaria, you might run into who knows, right? Yeah. You know, somebody from Drag Race or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's pretty fascinating and different. And that's where it just doesn't exist. That's why I try to pound into people's heads is it does not exist anywhere else. There mm-hmm. just is nowhere else where you go on vacation and... A, you have that many opportunities to see shows, but also that people just go. Mm-hmm. People just plan to see three shows while they're here. Yeah. That, doesn't, that doesn't happen anywhere else. And even in Key West, as much fun as it is, and I love Key West, 
they're not really show based. No. We tried to do that yeah. and it didn't work because it really just isn't really part of the you know, they go to a bar and see a show, but sure. they don't really they're not really it's they don't have the um buying tickets. Theater Latte Dodds down there with Randy Roberts and Christopher Peterson oh, who are sure, amazing. Yeah. They're wonderful. I just saw Randy the other day, and um, you know they're amazing. But it's a much smaller thing. You know, mm-hmm. here it's like, my God, you mm-hmm. can't walk down the street, but you're accosted by somebody with a postcard. Yeah. And then, not to mention, mail call at the post office, which is a right. mail. Oh yeah, we keep saying we're going to go see this. It's so <laughs> good. And yeah, then yeah, erotic is new. Um, what's what's the what's the Cirque? There's a Cirque That's show, like a Cirque show, kind of. Yeah. It's an aerial show. Yeah. Um, the the mail call boys are amazing dancers mm-hmm. and um, and they do I think they might have a little nudity I don't know I think not always is, yeah. but um, <laughs> but you hope for that at least and then, <laughs> I know um, I because you're really close it's the post office but there's not a lot of space to fly up there it's, you know, right. so, <laughs> you know uh, I think Farley used to call it the Anne Frank you know Annex or something you know, <laughs> you're up and then you're up in the sky yes, it is that so um, anyway, and they, uh, but the but male call is more dancing and that sort of thing, and, and uh, they're really talented guys. And then erotic is Ariel. Mm-hmm. So they're in the gymnasium at the high school. And I mean, all this stuff, you know, and amazing. even, I mean, shows like yours and Dina's and Varla's, um, I mean, and even, I guess, some of the RuPaul queens of the, that could mm-hmm. be all over the map, but was the tradition to have this, I mean, you know, to call this drag is almost... Um, diminishing of what it is because you guys are really doing first of all it's kind of high art in terms of performance art and variety mm-hmm. show and it's just it's so fully conceptualized and executed mm-hmm. it's not just somebody in a dress you lip-syncing. know lip-syncing or telling dick jokes or something well you know? yeah, I think it's a not, although you know I'm here for any dick course. jokes <laughs> we're all here for that <clears throat> but you know art and where you can't see this in a blog but we're all putting that in air quotes but um, the art piece of it is to me, fascinating to watch the fluidity of it. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, there was the time with the, um, you look at Charles Pierce or you look at even back, um, and I, I should have like um, remembered all these names. I'm trying to think of Sheridan Square. There was. Um, oh, Charles Love. Charles, that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. yes. All and the Charles, all the Charles, Charles Bush. Bush. Charles Bush, yeah. <laughs> and these guys, you know, were amazing, and they were really the ones who I think um, set the stage for the rest of us mm-hmm. to be able to um, do what we do. Otherwise, I don't know who would have come up but with it. But they weren't doing weekly shows in P-Town also. No, they weren't in P-Town. So you guys, really, you guys made that happen here where there's like a... Well, we didn't, but some our four mothers and fathers mothers. did. Um, but they were the... Actually, those other guys are really the... If you were looking at the beginning of it, I think were the beginning of shows. You, know? mm-hmm. you look at Charles Bush's and people that wrote plays and you know were on stage as women. But sometimes funny, sometimes not. You know, right. Sometimes, you know, just... It, it was amazing to look at the history of it, and it blows me away because I I feel like you know sometimes you feel accomplished, like oh you know I've done this for a lot of years and stuff, and then I look at that and I just like become appreciative and gracious mm-hmm. and like oh my gosh, you know, you realize these people who've like you know really at times where it was much harder, you know mm-hmm. laid out you know the red carpet for you to walk down. Yeah. You know they didn't have the red carpet. But I mean, they, they might say in some of the ways that you say it was easier for you starting out than it might be for someone now. Yeah. They might say that about themselves and yeah. And at that era too yeah. in New York where you know live performance was everything. Yeah. You know, they just exactly. didn't have it was before it was you know there were, certainly weren't computers and uh, and it's interesting to watch the the evolution of it and the fluidity of it now with the RuPaul girls yeah. and see mm-hmm. 
you know, the era of Jinx Monsoon and Ben De La Creme, mm-hmm. who, you know, it's fun to watch them get their voices. Mm-hmm. Now Jinx is going to be on the road with, um, I think, Xanadu. I think she's in Xanadu. Oh, right, oh, yes. Wow. That's, and another RuPaul queen is yeah. they're doing the two, <clears throat> is it the Mary Testa and Jackie Hoffman characters, right? And, yes, and um, uh, Bianca Del Rio took up um, uh, a position oh, in uh, a We show. saw her in yeah, something at the West End. Jamie. Yeah. No, yeah. we saw Michelle. Oh no, we saw Michelle. Michelle. Like, I got Michelle. The other guy. Potato, tomato, red baker. Literally. Um, well, speaking of the inspirations, though, and this kind of variety stuff, I mean, it's fitting yeah. that you would be doing this. I love that the album you wanted to talk about was "Free to Be You and Me," mm-hmm. right? Which, I mean, it really it feels very Miss Richfield, to it me. doesn't it? You know, <laughs> I mean, it has its heart and really in the yeah. right place in terms of the messaging. And I had known it. You know, growing up in, like, liberal Jewish kind of L.A., that was the thing that was sort of like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the kindergarten teachers wanted you to listen to this record. But (laughs) but it was wonderful reading about it and seeing how controversial it was and how much, like, reactionary bullshit there was. You know, but it, but it, so, but it, but it makes sense in terms of that, and then in terms of the variety aspect and just like the silliness and, mm-hmm. and the, um, you know, all that, the full performance yeah. beat of it. It would be so. Well, nineteen seventy-two, which yeah. is so crazy yeah. to me. It doesn't. Yeah. Well, for some of us, it doesn't seem because I was born in sixty-two, so I was ten when it came out. Um, but I just am amazed at what society was like mm-hmm. yeah. in nineteen seventy-two, mm-hmm. which. Yeah. I, you know, it's weird. And we just celebrated the 50th anniversary of Stonewall. Yeah. And I would have been seven at that point. And, um, and I was a news hound as a kid, always. And always we watched the evening news. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Minneapolis, in Richfield, Minnesota. Yes. Oh, the real Richfield. Oh, the real Richfield. Richfield, Minnesota. Yes, the first suburb of Minneapolis. And um, it was a, a very much a working class suburb, but it was really... Very mixed. There wasn't any... I remember it was a very, um, you know... Uh, but there was some wealthy people. It was kind of a wealthy, little wealthy neighborhood. But for the most part, we all grew up in like 700 square foot homes. You know, mm-hmm. small Cape Cods that... Everybody had four to six children, you know, with one bathroom. And that's just how everybody grew up. Nobody thought any differently. Now you would never grow up in a house that small with all those kids. You would just move to a bigger house because... Or move someplace where you could afford to live, but at the time, um, it, Richfield was uh, um, an interesting place to grow up because it was very mixed. And so we had a um, where I was going with that was we had a music teacher, um, and we had a, a growing school district at the time. Like each class was like a thousand kids, so it was a, a big place, mm-hmm. and it, you know it was a powerhouse for sports and things like that. We always had a football team that was mm-hmm. going to state and hockey and all the other things. And so it was a fun place to grow up and, um, and crowded. You know, it was more city-ish in the sense that, you know, it was, the schools were crowded. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So you didn't go to school in, you know, in a tiny little place. You went to school in a great big place. And, and I remember we just had a lot of young teachers. So, and a lot of our teachers were Jewish. I had, you know, Miss Abrams for kindergarten and Mrs. Feldman for third grade and Mr. Goldman for sixth grade. And, and we had this really cool music teacher, Paige Macklin. And I wanted to Google her, and I'll have to do this bef- at some point because I bring her up in my show. She was this, you know, long haired, kind of, you know, tie dyed, you know, mm-hmm. free to be unique gal, you know, and she had this really cool husband. They lived really close to the school. And I think she might have had her first child. Um, when she was teaching with us. So they were very young. They were just starting a family. And she just liked new music. And so mm-hmm. 
when this was airing on television, as because it was created in 72 as an album, mm-hmm. uh, Marlo mm-hmm. Thomas and her friends, I mean, Marlo Thomas really produced it, I think, and did, uh, as you can see, a lot yeah. of the work, um, with famous, you know, composers yeah. and performers. I mean, it's just a <clears> list <throat> of who's who at the time. And, <clears throat> and she... Um, then they made it into an animated TV special, and when that aired, we were doing the music as a spring concert in oh, elementary school, cool. which was pretty advanced. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. And it was it got a real mixed review from the parents, <laughs> but you know, and I sang the song "William Wants It All," which was oh, a song that yeah. Alan Alda and Marlo Thomas sang. When my friend William was five years old, he wanted a doll to hug and hold. A doll, said William, is what I need to wash and clean and dress and feed. A doll to give a bottle to and put to bed when day is through. And any time my doll gets ill, I'll take good care of it, said my friend Bill. A doll, a doll, William wants a doll. Don't be a sissy, said his best friend did. Why should a boy want to play with a doll? Dolls are for girls, said his cousin Fred. Don't be a jerk, said his older brother. I know what to do, said his father to his mother. So his father... How old were you? Well, I was in, you know, in the show, I say I was in fifth grade, but I think I was in sixth grade now. But that's still, I mean, that's very close to home. Oh my gosh. Well, that's the story I tell in my show, because my show this year is called Gender Fluids. Yes, we love that. (laughs) Yes. And so at the end of the show, I um, play the musical Saw, always. Uh And then that's usually sort of a poignant moment, Mm because it's pretty. And... um, it's a little, one of the things I've learned about the song, it's a little gimmicky. So you only want to do like a verse. You know, so it's a little short thing. And so I play a verse and the chorus and then I sing it. But I, before I introduce it and I say how important it was to me to have this free to be you and me album. And I never, it, this said, I never owned the album, believe it or not. As important as this was in my life and as life changing as this was, never owned the album. My parents would not have bought that for me. Really? In, oh my God, they were conservative. It was conservative Protestant upbringing mm-hmm. in, my, um, in my home, and we were more conservative than our church. The church we went to was wow, relatively conservative, yeah. but my family was much more conservative than the church. Like, my family had rules that the church didn't have. But they didn't mind you singing that song in school. Yeah. Well, they didn't know until I sang it in the concert. And I didn't say anything because we didn't talk about that stuff at all. My father could have been less interested. And so they came to the spring concert, and then I ended up, and I said, oh, I have a solo, you know. And never even dawned on me to tell them what it was. Although, I remember when I sang it, you know, when I first saw the music, and the music teacher was teaching me this, and she had given me the solo. Uh Like, I didn't have to audition. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She was like... Like, straight from central casting. Like, this kid is going to sing that song. She was and like, you can put this in your show in P-Town yeah, later. I have a feeling this is going to be mean a lot more to you later in life when you look back on it. And um, so I was at that point, you know, when you're in sixth grade, even fifth, sixth grade, you're at the point where you're still playing with toys, but you're not mm-hmm. playing with toys. Mm-hmm, sure. I think kids are different today, but, you know, back in the day, we didn't have video games and stuff like yeah. that unless you went to a video arcade. Right. You know, and Pinball. actually played. Right, yeah. or Pac-Man or something. I'm not even sure when that came out, but 
But I remember we, you know, so we played, um, and I grew up in a neighborhood largely with girls, and I so, of course, connected with girls. So that worked out perfect for me. The story I told on my show is that um, I sang William Wants a Doll, and it meant a lot to me because I knew a little boy who wanted to play with dolls, you know, and Mm. as I'm speaking as Miss Richfield, you know, then I say, you know, I knew that boy really, really well. And then I wink and sort of touch my nose. You know, sort of like people are clued in like, oh, this is a story about you, you know. And then I tell about how when I was a kid, I was playing with dolls with the Mm -hmm. girls next door and got in trouble and was told that isn't what boys do. You know, and my mother told my father and, you know, it turned into a and I don't remember how old I was because at that point in your life, it's all a blur, Mm -hmm. you know, memories especially when you get into your late 50s. Like, you know, it's a blur, the childhood. But, I mean, I was probably, like, in first grade, you know, and, and I remember my mother saying, why do you always play with girls? Why don't you play with the boys, you know? And she had at one point, because the school I went to was on a really busy street, and she had been walking down the street to the store or something like that, and um, she said, yeah, I saw you on the playground today. I just, you know, I was walking by, going to the store. And you're playing with the girls. And it was just like, what are you... And I remember even as like... And I only went to that school through first grade. And then mm-hmm. I changed schools. So I know it had to be kindergarten or first grade. And I, even as that young of a child, I remember thinking, why were you watching me at school? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like creepy. Like, yeah. what are you doing? And she said, you know, why don't you play with the boys? And then, um, and then when I played with dolls with the girls, that was really it, you know. Mm. And so then it taught me as like a little kid, I had to be somebody else. Right. Yeah. Like I couldn't, it, which, you know, you guys can probably connect to and anybody mm-hmm. who's gay or lesbian or, you know, probably people of color can relate to these types of things too, where you just learn you can't be who you want to be. Mm-hmm. But did you, you be somebody else. Did it, what did it mean to you then to have a teacher and an album by a television star that yeah. was telling you a very different message. Well, amazing. And then to have, I mean, to have an album was amazing, but to have it on television was really kind of it. Because we were the television generation, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That we did grow up on. Yeah. And believe me, like, that is what our parents did. They sat us in front of a television so they didn't have to deal with us. Yeah. And then it became obvious that that wasn't good for kids. <laughs> but that was after me. Like, I was in yeah, that generation. They didn't even feel like, bad about doing it. You can watch as much TV as you want. Just don't bother your father and I. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> and so we, like, watched TV all the time as kids. And, um, you know, Star Trek and, you know, all of the... Yeah. When it was new, you know, the, the original was, one. That was kind of my thing, too, though. I mean, it was, I, like, amazing. When now the screen time limits and stuff <laughs> that my friends and my sister have for Oh, my their God, kids, and how bad it was for our we eyes. We were 24-7. And we, <laughs> and we in my room. were by the airport and so and without a remote control. So we would take turns sitting right next to the television to turn the volume up as the planes oh were going God, through our house. Because so it was so friggin' loud and it would shake the, the walls. Did you have to adjust the antenna and everything? Um, um, yeah, we had to do that, although I don't remember doing that as much. I think because we were so close to the city. Oh, we you were, were getting all the signals. We got yeah. all the signals we need, and near the airport, I'm sure. You know, we were getting whatever we needed. But we yeah. did have to sit and turn the volume up and turn the volume down. Yeah. So we're sitting like four inches from yeah. the television. I'm sure like my eyes have probably like got permanent damage from years of <laughs> sitting four inches from the television. But 
but it was really meaningful to me to have this music and then to see it on television was mm-hmm. really amazing because television really made things legitimate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me. Right. Well, you know, also, album you didn't was have great, 10,000 channels. So no. if something was on TV, oh my God. that was a chosen, yep. select, you know. And when we were kids, I remember in first grade, Sesame Street was sort of new and they were trying to encourage us to mm-hmm. do Sesame Street. And, um, it just, I tried it. First of all, we could hardly get, we could hardly get channel, channel two was our public television, so we could hardly get it in. Mm-hmm. You had the round, because then you had the round antenna that you had to work with, not the mm-hmm. arms. Oh, right, the and U- it was, UHF. Yeah, the UHF, the VHF. The VH, yeah. I don't know what. Do you know what those were? Uh-huh. So we're looking at this, right? And yeah. it's just like, we can barely get the thing in. It's a little snowy, and then it's just a kid thing. It's the yeah. baby mm-hmm. thing. And so then yeah. it was like, oh, this doesn't work. Two years earlier, would have like preschool would have been perfect. Sure, you know, would have yeah. really helped us. We were still looking at picture books, and yeah. I kid you not, in first grade. Yeah. Now we were reading, but we were also looking at picture books yeah. because I have um, my weekly or not my weekly reader, but my um, Dick and Jane. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I still totally. have my, and my neighbor when they had moved found it, and it had Russell on that. Like I had Aww. written my name on it, and she's like, "You are not going to believe what I found because." You know, she was in college, and her parents were selling the house, and they were moving. They were good Mormons. They moved out to, to Utah. And um, went, and they gave me this book, and I was like, holy smokes, that was first grade. Yeah, oh, my God. Now it would be like preschool at yeah. the best. But I just remember the, um, but the Free to Be You and Me wasn't a baby thing. You know, that yeah. was like something. And when that came on television, you know, we only essentially had ABC, NBC, and CBS. That was it. Mm-hmm. So this is a big freaking deal to put something and on And Marlo TV. Thomas was a huge And she was a, uh-huh. yes. So and she had done that, that girl. Yeah. She was Danny Thomas's daughter, which also put her on the map. And then, yeah, right. and then her um, social justice work mm-hmm. really put her on the map, too. Between St. Jude's and her father's work mm-hmm. and her work with Gloria Steinem and, mm-hmm. you know, all the women that did all of that important work and putting their money where their mouth was, you know, and being counted. And did you, um, I mean, to see, you know, for, for, for all the, um, I mean, I'm just thinking back, I mean, in terms of like before it was acceptable, you know, to be gay and everything in America, you know, there was, feminism had more traction than mm-hmm. the gay rights movement had. And that was all coming from the same record. So mm-hmm. in a way, I mean, I think, you know, I didn't know the album so well, but I think it would have been encouraging to me, even if all my teachers in school were not talking about gay rights, they were talking about feminism. Mm-hmm. And this album that was very feminist and by Marlo Thomas had a song about a boy that wanted to play with a doll, and that was me. I mean, yeah. it, it, that inclusion in something bigger that was more popular, you know? And that was the song, and I don't know if you read anything in the, uh, the background of it, but it, um, the, when I was getting ready to, to use the song, I went online and there was an uh, interview by Marlo Thomas. I think it was on their 40th anniversary, mm-hmm. just a few years ago, of the album. And she said, William Wants a Doll was the one song that almost made it impossible to put on television. Because oh, wow. wow. ABC felt it would emasculate men. Yeah. And they didn't want to put that they wanted it on but they didn't want that song on so mm-hmm. they were like well we like the rest of it we just don't want William Wants a Doll I mean, it's just so interesting? horrifying I mean I know it just shows how corrupt but that's the same thing today you <laughs> yeah. know yeah. and it's like it, 
there are boys that play with dolls that aren't even gay, and right. there are gay totally. boys that play sports. So yeah. why totally. are you? It's like people are projecting their crap onto this, you know, this kid. And like I say, and then the kid has to learn at a yeah. young, tender age. Mm-hmm. I can't really be who I want to be. Totally. Mm-hmm. I have two lesbian friends that raised two straight kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> a son and a daughter. And the son, when he was little, wanted to wear a dress. Yeah. And she didn't know how to deal with it. And she talked to her therapist and the therapist said, oh, just let him wear a dress. And if you don't make an issue of it, I, it'll come and go. Yeah. But if you make an issue of it, it'll probably turn into yeah. this big thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he'll be talking yeah. about it, you know, when he's an adult and the rest of it. So it lasted like a week. And she mm-hmm. said, well, let's just draw boundaries around it. Let's start by just wearing it in the house and out in the yard and things like that before you go to school in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meaning she was, you know, kind of like, if you want to go to school on a dress, you can go to school. But let's just start with it at home. Yeah. And then she said after about a few days of it, he just didn't like it anymore. And then yeah. she said, started to notice it just went away and she didn't say anything and he didn't say anything. And. You know, and you cut to in ten years. I could have been a straight Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays (laughs) at the art house. And I'm thinking I could have been a straight guy with a wife and five kids. Probably, (laughs) my mother had just allowed me to play with the dolls. Well, or, a face. or trans, you know. I mean, it really right. could go either way. Exactly. No, and I was like gay as a goose as a kid, you know, clearly. And I know you guys probably were too. Like, oh, yeah. totally. I was gay. Well, my mom used to make time. fun of me for oh, playing with my sister's Barbies. And really? Then she, and then I was like in high school and I was like in therapy. And I was like, you made fun of me for playing with Barbies. And she said, well... I just I wasn't being homophobic. I just thought you were too old to play with dolls. And I'm like, but I wasn't going like, hold my widow baby. I was like, you right. bitch, you slept with my right. husband. Give me back that mink stall. Right. You know, don't tell me I was too old for that. I was 11. Exactly. You know? It was right. just the, the beginning of your It wasn't a boy career. game, though, you know. And yeah. Oh, boy, yeah. And, and they, my parents wouldn't even buy me a G.I. Joe. And well, those see, were really They were big. smart because yeah, I yeah. had the G.I. Joes and I used them with the Barbies. Totally. Well, that was it almost was a gateway doll. Because the, the G.I. Joes, you know, had like pecs and like... Oh, nips, yeah. Some of them had like nipples and stuff. Mm. You know? Nipples. Yeah. Oh, my. But, you know, my parents... My dad's a pastor. My parents are very conservative. <gasps> oh, really? But they always let me play with dolls and they never, you know, thank the Lord, they never shamed me yeah. for it or anything. But it was so confusing when I would hang out with my little guy friends, you know, because right. they would be like, why are you... Yeah. I, why, 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 why are you bringing a doll to the pool? And yeah. I go, well, why not? You know? Yeah. So that's why. And then when I grew up, you know, and came out, then everything else changed. And were but, your parents um, Protestants or? Uh, pro- Baptist, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's like yeah. the background I grew up so, with. Yeah. Yeah, but they let me dress up and everything. But, but that's so cool that they were able to just let that go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, they if kind they're of. they're conservative. Yeah. Right. Well, I think it was Ooh. also kind of denial. They were like, oh, this just means he's artistic and creative, which, you know, totally. Which it did. But, yeah. um, you know years later the coming out kind of changed all that but you know I always tell them we have all these home videos of me you know dressing up in drag and playing out in the yard in my sister's dresses and stuff yeah and, oh totally you know I me say too. thank you so much for not shaming me for that because that would have been so damaging and yeah you know, are you able to have a relationship with them yeah for yeah, sure I do yeah. I did too as like far after as after about a year after I came out yeah it same. all like yeah. settled down and now it's a little don't ask don't tell but you know For the last time, I am not on Ozempic. I made one little joke on this podcast, and everybody started calling me out, texting me, calling me cringe, whatever. I really was asked by people if I was on Ozempic, and as I told them, I am not. 
I am just eating factors, no prep, no mess meals, okay? Warmer, sunnier days are coming. Fire Island season is here. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. From breakfast to dessert, stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. And kitchen time is kept to a minimum. They are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking, no cleanup. Enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories, maximize protein intake, avoid meat, or just simply to eat well-balanced. Head to factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 and use code giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code giantsinthesky50 at factormeals.com slash giantsinthesky50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, and then my parents were fine with, um, like, a year after I came out, and they were, like, coming around. They came over to my uh, boyfriend's house for Christmas because oh, it was wonderful. an off year, so my brothers were all... Uh, an off year. An <laughs> off year. We had on years and off years. It was an off year. So they came. Yeah, they never were to go, and my yeah. boyfriend was, at the time, um, not able to go home. He was, mm-hmm. like, he was from Michigan originally, and he had to work, so he's like, well, I'll make a dinner, and he could cook like crazy. <laughs> So we had this fabulous dinner for my mom and dad. And the uh-huh. next year, I think it was the next year, my mom and dad and aunt from California, they all came over. So, yeah. So they came around, brought them a mm-hmm. gift. Mm-hmm. And, Did they ever see you, you perform? Know. My father never saw me perform. But the weird thing about I tell people this, kids initially this, that it's so important to come out to your parents and to give them the space they need. Because you're coming out. But they're coming out too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> right, for you sure. Know? That's a very interesting way to put yeah. it. Yeah, because I think sadly, and as gay men, you know, by the time we finally come out, mm-hmm. especially men my age, mm-hmm. which you know, it was like we all came out in our mid twenties, mid twenties, like twenty five, twenty six. All of us, anybody in their late fifties, pretty much all came out about the same time. I don't know what happened. We must have all gotten together. We were all through college. We had fucked around through college. Mm-hmm. We'd done all that. So I mean, we were active, mm-hmm. but we really came out to our families in our mid twenties. Mm-hmm. And my family, and I always tell people, you know, by the time that you want to come out, you just need to come out, mm-hmm. and it's just you're 
exasperated and yeah. you're just like I just yeah. have to do this and you all have to like deal with this yeah. and what you don't realize is in many cases they do realize that but mm. they haven't spoken about it and now suddenly it's on the table yeah. and they need to come out too and it might take them you, I don't expect them to get over it in five yeah. minutes or five weeks or five months or maybe even five years who knows well and a therapist told me you once just need time it's like they're, they have to go through a grieving process mm-hmm. because they're grieving who they thought the you kid. were the life yep. you're gonna have grandkids all that you know blah, oh blah, right blah, blah, yeah blah. and the kid they wanted you to be yeah. even though they knew you weren't that kid yeah so they have to now go it's all public those and in my case I came out to them and then probably about how many years later quite a few years later I came out to them as a performer you know, mm-hmm. and um, by that point, the good news is I was doing theater work, mm-hmm. and so I was doing my own cabaret shows, which they didn't know this, but the cabaret shows I did, uh, I did drag shows in bars only for like six months, and then I thought, I gotta get out of here, you know, mm-hmm. I gotta start singing live. And, and where was that? That was at the gay 90s in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis. Amazing. And it was a great time, too, because... It was gay men. You know, it was 96. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the year of 96 as I was in the bar. And then the year of 97, 97 I started doing cabarets. Mm-hmm. And the cabarets were based on a Christian radio broadcast. So oh, it was oh, like Miss Richfield doing her Christian radio oh, broadcast. And you so were in the funny. audience, sort of like Garrison Keillor and a uh-huh. Prairie Companion. So you were seeing her, you know, record this, you know, on a cassette tape, you know, for broadcast later, right. you know. And, uh, yeah, it was really fun. It was KLAP, you know, K-Listen mm-hmm. and Pray, you know. And it was oh, every, clap, so funny. every clap joke you've ever heard, <laughs> right? You know, we hope the clap is a blessing in your life. We hope you share the clap with your family and friends. Like, every clap joke, every clap joke you could possibly K Yeah, K-Listen and Pray. And, um, yeah, and it was, like, tongue-in-cheek. We didn't do tons of religious stuff, per se, but it was funny. It was so a ride. And it was so... It worked there in the Twin Cities because um, there was a big Christian radio mm-hmm. show yeah, there. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, uh, KTIS was the big mm-hmm. Christian. Mm-hmm. It was on Northwestern University, or Northwestern College, uh-huh. um, which was a Christian college. And then when I came here, I tried to bring it to Provincetown for my first year. Mm-hmm. It just didn't work as well, because it's largely, you know, a Catholic-Jewish yeah. thing, yeah. and that's a Protestant thing. Right, right. And, and then um, Catholic radio is just different. Mm-hmm. There is mm-hmm. Catholic radio and Catholic TV, but it's just not the same right. as the evangelical. Right. So it didn't quite work, so then I just got rid of it after a yeah. couple of weeks and just did a variety show but it was a super funny show it had commercials so funny I had an announcer I had a little Jewish one a little it was like Jewish only one. about four <laughs> ten, and she would play the piano <laughs> yeah and then I had two drag queens with me and me and so it was the five of and an announcer a little Italian guy super handsome and he would always wear a tuxedo and he would you know do the announcing <laughs> on the mic and then so the five of us and we in this tiny little stage in a 99 seat theater where it was so crowded and it was tied to a bowling alley and a restaurant. Oh my God. So you could hear people bowl. And when you got in, and they would have three shows a night. Uh-huh. You know, it was like, it, it was a good preparation for Provincetown. Mm-hmm. And you would line up behind the bowlers and through the restaurant. And then was it know, a gay restaurant? Or? No, um, it was owned by a lesbian, and it had not been touched since like 1929. So it was wow. this really amazing, cool mm, old what bar. A cool, old is it restaurant. not there anymore? It's still there, and they still do it's shows. The gay nineties? No, no, no. The gay nineties was the, a bar downtown. Oh, okay. Yeah, this is, is Bryant Lake Bowl, which is a. Uh, I want to go. Yeah, right, it's a great space. It's and in it's Minneapolis. Still, yeah, it's it's a still I've never been still there. Visit. It was not as great a neighborhood now with the neighborhoods come along and. 
It's become a really swanky place to live. I went to rehab there, but I haven't been oh, back. Oh, did you? I need to go. Really? I need oh, to go. well, you probably went to Pride, which is like out in the middle of nowhere. Did you go to Pride? No, no, I went to um, Hazelden. In oh, God, that's even worse. That's like an hour and a half yeah. north. Yeah. Like mm. that is in the Seriously, that is... You might as well, like, not be... Well, I flew in into to just, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Oh, God, know, but I, you drove for at least an hour and I saw, to get there. I saw, it's, yeah, but I saw the city, you know. Wow. The Maritime like you would if you drove through I New mean, York. I mean, yeah. but I saw that it was there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you didn't... Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's just that is... That's unfortunate. I mean, it's great. It, Hazelden's a great It was what place, I needed but, it to be that month. And that's the thing. Yeah, that, that was a home... I think it was a home... It was their vacation home or something, it seems like. Oh, right. That it is true. That's seemed like it was, And Hazelden was actually mm. how they got the name. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was actually Hazelden. That, and I think it was the father or something that had come around and yeah. figured out like oh my god I gotta quit drinking and got busy and got recovered and then but that's the granddaddy of them all that that's was the very mothership, first mothership they call it yeah. and mothership and then pride came along and others came along yeah and it's amazing yeah you can't turn around you can't swing a dead cat in Minneapolis without hitting somebody in sobriety. <laughs> there's a lot of places there, right? Yeah, there's a lot of places. But I want a lot of people to, um, stay, which is nice. I know. I have friends they from have New York who went and then stay. still live there. Yeah, because it's like people go back and forth, and then they realize, I can't keep going back to my home. I have to. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes they just spend a few years there, and yeah. then they can transition back. But you kind of got to get yeah. back into a normal state of life where yeah. you don't have all the connections, right. which... Yeah. Fortunately, my demon was alcohol, so yeah. I never got into the drugs, thank no. God. Mm, yeah. I, I wouldn't be talking to you right now because <laughs> no. I would have killed myself because yeah. that I would not have been able to stop. Yeah. I just would have used until I died. Mm. You know, As it was, alcohol was tough enough yeah. to hang up. Hang you know, up it's also, you don't know how you respond to different Oof. things. I mean, I, I'm such an addictive personality, but I, Me too. I drank every day. I never mm. wanted to do drugs every day, though. Mm. I did drugs recreation. I mean, I abused I them. I didn't but, have money. Yeah, well, that's that's the other thing. Too. Yeah, I just did not have money, and um, I, I was so aware that I was poor that I knew better than to get into a habit. Yeah, was, I thought I dare not do this because, I, you know, I saw other people, I had friends yeah. that got into a lot of trouble with it, and I literally never. I smoked pot. Yeah, never bought it. Yeah, always smoked other people's weed. Smart. You know, never <laughs> bought it. That tells you a little bit about yeah. me right there. And, you know, drank at bars where I could get some free booze. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I just didn't, never had any money. So I was like, Phew. Well, our business, there's a lot of free booze in our business. You know? It is crazy. And, and a lot of people, you know, would say, how on earth can you be, you know, sober mm-hmm. and be in your business? And it's yeah. like, you need to maintain your sobriety. You need to pay attention to your sobriety yeah. because... It is like in your face all the time yeah. and in a way that's kind of good. Yeah. I actually it's don't know good. how people are in this sort of like entertainment nightlife business without, I mean, certainly uh, people that have an actual addiction that's yeah. active. I mean, it's one thing, you know, people like, you know, that just drink for fun and don't mm-hmm. have a problem. But right. I, mean, I wouldn't have lasted oh. five minutes. I don't, I mean, I would not have lasted. Uh, the only reason I've lasted is I started later. You yeah, know, I didn't mm-hmm. start my career full-time until I was 41. Mm-hmm. My previous work was journalism and public relations, yeah. which you also could... Well, journalism, you could definitely drink. Yeah. Journalism. Mm-hmm. I mean, people drank in the office sometimes, mm-hmm. and, you know, because you were working such odd hours mm-hmm. and so forth. Yeah. So it wasn't unusual for someone to... You didn't get drunk in the office, but, you know, you have a cocktail or a beer or yeah. something while you're working late at night, mm-hmm. just because that's what you would do at home, you know, or someplace else. So it was drinking through that and then getting into... 
entertainment really kind of and then working here in P-Town was the absolute that's what finally drove me into the ground because you don't drive yeah you know and I drove drunk all the time which was a horrible thing you know I would take the world's safety into my own hands my own impaired hands and not care right Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and you know how it goes the drunk always lives you know and how I didn't kill someone or hurt someone right thank the it's a god moment and so that is part of what keeps me sober is I just mm. know I will drive if I drink. Yeah. Like I, do, mm. I cannot draw a line and I will yeah. get behind the wheel and I will drive. And yeah. I have one DWI, but, you know, to ha- I would just have, I don't know how I ended yeah. up with not multiple, but whatever it was, it was like I was able to like sort it out. You yeah. know, I always say, you know, with the help of AA Jesus mm. in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> 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 Well, I'm not drinking these days. (laughs) I know a lot of a lot of the RuPaul girls talk about getting off the show, and you know, before the show, they had no money, and they were performing in their Mm -hmm. little small town clubs, and they get on the show, and all of a sudden they're on tour, and they're famous, Mm -hmm. and everything's offered to them, and a lot of them have to learn how to say no, or you know, I think Alaska got sober or something. It's like that's that's and how you do that as a young person is impressive. So hard. I was 35 when I got sober. I don't know how. When I meet kids who have real drug problems right. at 22 and they have to get sober or they're going to die. Yeah. But I, I needed all those those years of research. You know, I mean, I, I absolutely... Mm-hmm. Oh, I would have totally wasted my career if I had become, you know, if I had been able to perform here in my 30s. Mm-hmm. I would have just ruined it. Yeah. As it was, I almost destroyed it. But I got sober in 09, mm-hmm. and, it, and so the 09 summer was clean. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, I guess I had six years mm-hmm. of... So I've well, officially got more years clean than I have. Yeah. And it's a super fun place to drink, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ty want to on and have fun if you can do it. And yeah, I'd say sure. more power to you. You don't have to, you can walk back to your B&B and have a slice of pizza on the way totally. home. And, you know, it's like. Mm, pizza. So I encourage it. I'm like, have fun, you know, if you can do it. I, you know, had to mm-hmm. hang it up. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean everyone does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, my boyfriend drinks normally. You know, so yeah. he, once in a while he ties one on and normally... You know, has one talk cocktail and that's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes I relate more, or it's easier to relate to someone who doesn't have a problem, right? Than to someone who either has an active <laughs> addiction or is in recovery. You know, because yeah. it's just kind of it, what I relate to is the addiction, not mm-hmm. the actual drug. You know, yeah. um, yes. But uh, but in terms of that, on a bigger scale, not just in terms of drugs and alcohol, but the community of being in P-Town where, I mean, it's such a unique situation that you're here with all these other artists. Some of them Mm -hmm. we've really come up with Mm -hmm. over all these years and then the people that are coming in for a gig for two nights or two weeks or or whatever, you know, each summer. I know that there's kind of a territorial thing between the different presenters and and club owners, Um, but, but it seems like there seems to be more of like a, a sense of community among the artists, especially you guys that are really the stalwarts. It's interesting and really uh, something I look forward to every year mm-hmm. is the community of performers. And generally, we don't, nobody steps on anyone's dress, mm-hmm. you know, everyone stays back. <laughs> um, and uh, we all have lunch at yeah. different times. So it's common that. It's rare. I should say it's rare that I don't have lunch with almost everybody. It seems like 
it just, you know, you go by people and they're like, oh, we've got, we haven't had lunch yet. You know, let's figure something out. So at the end of the summer, you're having like five lunches yeah. you know, a week <laughs> at least. You have a lunch out every day trying to like catch up. And we see each other's shows. It's yeah. generally a very supportive situation. Um, it, and the t- only tough thing is that can be, because people rely on it financially. And mm-hmm. so if someone's having a bad summer or mm-hmm. something like that, it can get to be tough because there is a, com- a lot of competition and some people do better than other people do and there's a sense which I would feel, you know, and I did feel back in the day. Varla used to sell out every night and I would go to the box office and have eight tickets mm-hmm. sold. Yeah. And I would have to build the crowd, you know, and I'd end up with 48. Yeah. But it wasn't 115. Yeah. You know, and he would just ride his bike down the street and park it and get off and go in. And I'm thinking, how does that feel? Mm. And now I can do that sometimes. I yeah. don't do it all the time, but I can do it sometimes where I can just ride through town and pull in. And, and how yeah, many shows a week do you do now? I do five a week uh-huh. um, for the main part of the season. Mm-hmm. So I do anywhere from, I think this year I did 58 here. And then, um, but I've done as many as 64. Mm-hmm. Then I do a couple on the road. Mm-hmm. So I do one up and. um, uh, Kennebunk uh-huh. at the Vinegar Hills Vinegar Hill Music Theater. Mm-hmm. Then I do uh, one in Rehoboth Beach at the Blue Moon. Okay. And you guys probably know. I still haven't been there. I'm dying. Oh, you still haven't been down yeah. there? Oh, it's a fun place. And and it's interesting because it's a diff- completely different vibe. You know, mm-hmm. they have, actually have a really beautiful beach right at the end of town, so it's really easy to get to, as yeah. opposed to our beach, which is like, yeah. you really have to make a commitment yeah. to go to that I've still never here. been. Yeah, I, I don't even think years. of this as a beach town. It I isn't here. Really, I, no. I see shows, I eat, yeah. I walk, I exactly. go to the pool, you know. Right, buy art. It's yeah. like tons yeah. of art, you know, in the community. I always buy a piece of art every year. Oh, I love year. that. Yeah, and somebody encouraged me to do that a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it can be a cheap, like, you know, $10 thing, or it yeah. can be like a $2,000 thing, you know. I mean, obviously, you paste that out, but... Yeah. Yeah, I always make sure I get a piece of art here. This is such an artsy town. It too. is. I was, I was watching the, so so, the Sopranos the other day, and there's this there's this bit where she has a piece of artwork hanging in her office, the therapist, and he's like, "I like that painting." She's like, "Oh, thanks, I got it in Provincetown." Oh, oh no! Oh, yeah. oh, I love Dr. Melfi. Dr. That. Melfi, yeah. <laughs> oh, hooray! Oh, I didn't that's know that. That's wonderful. We so. should make a. Um, a oh, that's so a cool. Video of that. Yeah, a meme. What do you call it? Mine. Right. <laughs> Not a vine. Got it in Provincetown. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, there's some really. It's just. It's just fun to have some, and it's a lot of it's locally done. Yeah. yeah. So, and and there's not. Also, the shopping here is so wonderful. Oh, oh yeah. Right. So we go to Fire Island a lot, and there's like one store. You know, yeah. here it's like you can really have and some I've fun. And I've never been to. Um, I've been to the Pines, but I've never been to the Grove. The Cherry Grove. Have and you performed? That's really fun. Have well, the Grove is a little bit. I mean, the cityish, right? It's, yeah. I mean, it, it's not. It's not Provincetown, but it is. Yeah. It's a more relaxed, mixed atmosphere than the Pines, mm-hmm. and there, there are, um, I guess, three different, at least, mm-hmm. um, bars where you can go see yes. a drag show. I mean, yeah. and they're not the kind of things that you buy admission to, but mm-hmm. there are some. There's a, a drag queen there. We actually interviewed her for the podcast too, Pixie Aventura. Who's oh, really? I have not met her, but I've heard of she's her. She's so funny. She's and had a so smart. used to do always did cherry. Yes, had us there all yep. the time, and it's great, yep. you know. And it's it's a different thing. I mean, it's about the tips and people yep. walk in and walk out. But there's also people like us who are like, we're here to see the show. Yeah, mm-hmm. we got there early. We're staying to the end. Yeah. We're in it, you know. And <laughs> it's pretty cool. But I mean, they've started branching out. Like in the Pines, we saw. Um, they brought like they had Shangela do July Fourth weekend and Lady mm. Bunny did some stuff oh, and Bunny <laughs> and you know but it's a little it's just so not it, 
Bunny can sell, and, and yeah. you, you guys would actually do well because what's well, the same season? That's yeah, the problem. That's right. Yeah. We're on the same that's season. But I mean, you could go if you're doing yeah. five shows a week here. You could go down there for two nights. I know? tried that one time. Pine, I, think. I did the Pines party one time. Exactly. That's perfect. and it was like the most insane thing yeah, I've ever done. Sure. Next to going down, I went to North Carolina. What's that called? The um, oh, um, the Outer um, Banks. Went to the yeah. Outer Banks or South Carolina. I'm not sure which one it I is, but the Outer Banks. Banks. I mean, it was yeah. really cool. It was a really great place, but oh my word, trying to get down there and back was mm. like, and yeah. New York, you know, so you have to, I have to get into Logan or get into Boston, either take the train to New York or fly. Mm. Yeah. And then you got to get to Penn Station and... We're trying something new to, like, oh uh, tomorrow because we're going straight to the it's Pines and we're taking three boats. Because we're, we're taking three. the ferry to Boston, oh, right. train to Bridgeport, ferry from Bridgeport to Port Jefferson, Long Island. Oh, that's an smart. An Uber to Sayville, Long Island, and then the ferry to <laughs> That is smart, though. I think it sounded smart, but now that I keep looking at the actual t- door-to-door transportation yeah. time, it might not be that smart. But I will let you know what our take on this think, mode was. Um, yeah, see how long that takes. Yeah, that's intriguing. I mean, I'm sure this is a lot of money, but I saw someone recently posted there's a plane, like a really small plane you can take from the Cape to Islip, I think. Oh. Yeah. And then you can From the Cape to Islip? Islip? From Hyannis, probably. Yeah. Maybe. I didn't know that. And then you can take just a car straight to Sydney. That would be amazing. I mean, I'm well, sure. Well, maybe the podcast does well, and yeah. we'll do that. You know, like... We'll be like, Russ, come on, we've got the private jet. Just come just, down for a night. You'll be fine. You must. Just bring a light outfit and, light, outfit. and light shoes. Oh, my God. Because it's a plane, right? Yeah. <laughs> like they, you don't want to have the blood circulation and your feet get crazy. Yeah. I'll just come and drag and then just show up. But we had a great time. And I love the people down there. It was super fun. The Pines Party was great, of yeah, course. Mm-hmm. Sure. But oh my gosh, just get down there and back was like everything I could do in a couple yeah. of days. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, um, Hada uh-huh. um, loaned me, or did she find, I think she gave me that dress, um, which I think I ended up retiring finally because I had worn it so many times. It was one of her green dresses. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I needed a green dress for that Pines Party. I'm just remembering that. So, yeah, thank you, Hannah Lettuce, more, for more being community. gracious. It goes beyond the, the actual... Yeah, and she was in Provincetown, and I said, oh, you know, I need a green dress. I don't have a green... You know, and it was before Amazon. Yeah. Now, you would just go onto Amazon, but I did. I went to Hatta and yeah. Hatta just like, here, here you go. It was like, that. she has an extra wow. green dress. She's yeah. 410. Yeah. She's, she's, she's the green lady, so she gave me a dress. Oh, I've forgotten all about that. It was a good memory. And we had a great time, but oh my God, I can't do it. Yeah. You know, you do so well here financially mm-hmm. that it's really hard to leave. Of course. Yeah. You know, yeah. Because yeah. you really do well here. It's, you know, even if you don't sell that many tickets, you still can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, back in the day when I didn't sell that many tickets, it's like, I felt like I'm the king of the world, you yeah. know? Like, I would leave town. I would have paid my credit card off. I would. Amazing. And then I, um, I, I started staying in hotels, you know, mm. so I didn't have to drive all 1,500 miles in one fell swoop. Mm. So now I only go 500 miles, and I stay in two hotels, and I mean... Oh, because you've got all your crap with you. And I have all my crab with me and the two cats. Yeah. Two different yeah. cats. Now. Oh, you have the cats, cats here cats with you? Those cats have died, but yeah. Yes, I bring oh, my cats with that. me. I always have two cats, you know. I love just cats. you have to have two. Does your boyfriend come out for the summer? He too? does, and he's allergic to cats, so <gasps> that's the only problem does, we've got to get over. But he manages. Does he, he take medicates himself? Uh, Claritin or something? He does, and I'm trying to get him to see if he can get those shots because yeah. it's like shots you can get. Which, yeah. but my brother was deathly allergic to cats, and ended up marrying a woman with two cats. 
and then one died, and they got another cat to replace that cat, mm-hmm. and he loves the cats. So it's like, what we do I think that. you can, <laughs> I think you can get acclimated, and or at least acclimated uh-huh. to those cats. So mm-hmm. funny. So I'm hoping. Um, growing up, my grand, I mean, he still does perform some, but my granddad uh, was a touring country western singer, and no so no way, I love country western. Yeah, it was like old school, like Marty Robbins, Janotri, oh, Patsy Cline, that type of stuff. But um, my sister and I would travel with him and my grandmother all the time across the country to all his shows. And they would always bring their two cats. And the cats were so, they had this big conversion van and the cats were so like just tame and wonderful that they just like laid on the dashboard the whole trip and just looked out the window. But we had to sneak them into the hotel, you know, because some of the hotels didn't take pets. So that was like my sister and my job was to put them in like little pillowcases. Oh, which you could do pretty easily. The only thing is then you have to keep them away from windows. Keep them away from windows and then just make sure the maids never go in. You know, we always kept the do not disturb sign. Because if you clean up after, I mean, I I leave the room cleaner than I left it, you know, (laughs) because I'm so concerned. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. So I I have the lint brush that I, you know, make sure the bed spreads all cleaned off and, you know, there's nothing... But I have um, stayed in the same places that take pets. So mm-hmm, every mm-hmm. time it's the same routine. But I, yeah, I just have to have my pets with me. Oh, that's me. so cute. But I, I don't take them on the road with me otherwise because mm-hmm. I'm traveling to shows. Yeah, what, so do you have any um, New York gigs coming up? In the- I don't anytime soon. I think I will in the spring. I usually go to the triad. Which yeah, is I think I saw you there yeah, sure. last summer maybe. Uh, were you there last, last summer or two spring. summers ago? Last spring. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so probably funny. April or something like mm-hmm. that. I love the triad. It is it's so beautiful. It's great like, space. You, people think it's going to be a cabaret room, and it's like this beautiful, oh, ornate theater. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a mini vaudeville theater. Yeah, it's and it's vaudeville. so New York based, you have to go into that restaurant. Yeah, First of all, you see the sign. <laughs> And people are trying the doors, and, yeah. like, and then they step back, and they look again. You just, yeah. like, just go into the restaurant. Totally. And so they go up the stairs, and then it's not quaint at all like that little mm-hmm. area you walk up to is not it just seems like a and then you open the door theater. and you walk into this it's so beautiful like oh, jewel really box old. jewel box yeah. for sure yeah. And they were gonna. I think they were gonna close it years ago. Years and the oh name changes, God. and then it goes back. They hung in I there. like when they go back to being the triad. That's what I when it was first when Forbidden Broadway was there. It was the triad. And see, I don't even know the whole history. I just know yeah. a verbal history of it. They've also got it set up with six cameras, and there's a guy there who has a switcher in the green room. So if you ever want your show. Um, done, uh, you show recorded every year. I pay him oh, anywhere from like five to six hundred bucks, and it's like six cameras. Amazing! So yeah, so those? when I'm out in the audience, no, I just get them more for my own, uh-huh. you know, benefit. But it's so much better than just having somebody in the back of the room with a yeah. You camera. should sell them, but like, but like, oh, you'd have to get rights to music. And yeah, it would be expensive. But, like, that would be so wonderful to, like, have you on Netflix or Amazon yeah. Prime well, or something. it's you know? amazing for... I would tell my friends in New York, like, get a gig there if you want your show really recorded well. He does a beautiful yeah. job. He watches it. At, he sometimes will watch it at home. He doesn't even come in. And then the next day, he just comes in and he sits there with the switcher. So at the end of the show, you've got it. He doesn't do any editing. Oh, he does it oh all in the fly. Wow. And wow. he knows where all the cameras are. So he's just switching. He's got a Fantastic. television switcher Great. in the back. Wow. Up, you know, he's not even in the same room with you. Uh-huh. I want to get room. an internship with him. I could learn how to be a TV director. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's very Desi Arnaz. Whoever he yeah, is, he's like, I, I, and I'm not sure I've ever, ever met him. It seems like, I think I did once, but last year he came and did it, and I never even saw him. Like, he just, I didn't even know. And like, did you, were you here? Did that? And he's like, oh yeah, I recorded it. It was great. It was, you know, great night. Mm-hmm. You're on fire. And 
Right. And you certainly were when I saw you. Oh God, You're so, was I? I oh know. yeah. You know, I mean, I've seen you so many times. The only but... problem with you know really relying on crowd interaction mm-hmm. is you know sometimes it can crash and burn. Yeah. It doesn't usually crash and burn, but there well, that's are the thing. You're so no one works with moments. an audience like you do. You yeah, know, you that's really right. know the how one to that Farla Jean Merlin came to, of course, this year was one of only like two. The other one that didn't go so well. Seth Radetzky and Frank DeCaro were at. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Only no. two shows the entire summer of like 58 shows that were like, oh, you know, where it's like, oh, you're just working, working. Well, trying they, to get people. they all understand the, the, the dictated day uh, back and forth. Thank God. And, you know, they're totally gracious. But I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, God, this has gone <laughs> so much better if you would just... Come on a night. Isn't that always the way it is? Oh, like always. Somebody that you want there is, And I know. even, like, know that that could happen, so I, like, divorce myself of yeah. expectations and think, I'm just going to be what it's going to be. But then at the end of it, you're like, wow, how does that happen every time? Can you tell <laughs> immediately when you go out on stage that night, on a night I, like that, if the, if the energy's off? I try to not do that because you can kind of get yourself into a mm-hmm, funk. Mm-hmm. And my lighting guy, my spotlight guy, who's worked with me for, like, 10 years here, he can tell too because mm-hmm. it, it, the video at the beginning has images of mm-hmm. like me as a little girl and yeah. you know me with uh, you know um, the um, dictator from North Korea and uh-huh. me with <laughs> Jesus walking on water oh, yeah. <laughs> it's got a lot yeah. of funny images in it and if nobody laughs that's when it's like oh god yeah. you know mm-hmm. it just can be deadly and you go out and, you, and then sometimes the whole thing will just turn around like mm-hmm. you'll just be mm-hmm. fine and then other times it's like, okay, and if I, I'm fine unless I let it affect me. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. I can just keep the persona on, yeah. which is really yeah. the professional thing to do. And when it gets to you, you're just not being professional right. and that happens. Yeah. And so you're like, I mean, Shit. just the, every time I've seen you, it just, it's hard to imagine anything throwing you because it uh, seems like Miss Richfield is in the room. So no, anything that happens, you're responding as Miss Richfield. So we're delighted by you having to deal with it. Well, the secret you know? to it, and my my guy that does lighting is like, oh my god, that is so true. Is the if you get off to a weird start, mm-hmm. it sort of can be a weird evening. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Mm-hmm. Like if you talk to one person and they're a little off, and you can't can't or they won't like give you information or something, and then it's like you can go through an entire evening where right. you just can't get information from people. It's just. And I think it's just natural. I yeah. think that's just, we kind of do, we kind mm-hmm. of follow each other. Were there performers mm-hmm. you saw yeah. live that had that kind of audience interaction that never. you were inspired by? <laughs> never. I never saw that before. How did you get so good at it? I, well, like I don't practice? know if I'm necessarily good at it. I mean, but how I, I think you're the master at Truly. I mean, how I do it is I started because I worked in that drag show. Yeah. And I, yeah. Had to, I had to stand up in front of people for like 20 minutes and start the show. And... You know, it was supposed to be like a 15-minute thing. So mm-hmm. I would do a number and then talk. And then I was supposed to introduce the first person. So I was only supposed to have maybe like 10 minutes at the mm-hmm. most. But even 10 minutes is a long yeah, time to stand sure. up in front oh, of yeah. people. Especially when you don't know what the hell you're doing. Yeah. And I had no preparation. I mean, none. You know, I had just gotten the gig. I had performed a couple times. And then this guy couldn't be there on a Saturday. And he mm-hmm. goes, why don't you fill in for me? You would be funny. You have such a different sort of character. And... So, I mean, I had three different voices. I had, I mean, by the time I was done, I didn't know, did I talk with an accent? Did I talk, you know, because <laughs> like, I had not developed yeah, anything. Uh-huh. And, but, you know, I think it's that being able to just show up mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. do the work. 
and I would talk to people because I was like, well, you know, well, who do we have here tonight? You know, like, oh, great, well, you know, and talk to people that you always see, talk to people that are new, you know, and anybody, you know, like, are there any parents? Some guy wouldn't brought his parents in or something, you know. So you would could visit with people, and I remember the first time, one of the first times I did it, I was at the bar getting a drink, of course. And um, what, you know, the bartender who knew exactly what I drank. And so um, I was, you know, hustling through the room trying to get that. And it was packed, 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 packed. And the guy, the guy standing at the bar looked at me and said, are you the one that's emceeing the show? And I said, yeah. And it, at the time I wore different wigs. Uh-huh. So it was kind of, I think he was kind of having a hard time telling because mm-hmm. it was a brown wig instead of a black wig. And before I really developed the look. Yeah. The iconic. I said, yeah, the iconic. Before I learned, like, okay, people have to recognize you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I said, yeah, I am. And he goes, wow, Chris, you're really funny. You're like a comedian. It's great. You know? <laughs> and I just remember thinking, God. I had just never let that in. Mm. And I'd only done it a few times and I thought, oh, wow, this guy thinks I'm a comedian. <laughs> wow, this is, this is amazing, you know? And so I never, and again, if I had to do it again, I probably would go to improv classes or something yeah. because that would have actually probably helped me and refine it faster. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of went by the school of hard knocks, which I would that? not suggest because I think there are really cool training programs that can really help you mm-hmm. and get you over the hump faster. Mm-hmm. But I just sort of learned it as I went, not even knowing there were improv classes. No one told me. And there's improv classes in Minneapolis, yeah. like mm-hmm. right down the block from where I was performing. I had no clue. Dudley Riggs runs a big, you know, school. So anyway, I, I just did it. And I was like, and then one of the things I was taught though at, um, from somebody who did that is they said, Oh, one of the things you'll learn in improv is to, um, keep going. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. stop. Yeah. Right. And it was right, like, right. oh, oh the yes going. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And see all this shit that I didn't know. And so that's what, and then that's really helped me in uncomfortable situations where mm-hmm. you get into an uncomfortable situation, you uncover, uh, my most uncomfortable thing I ever did is I uncovered that this guy, this young guy, he was only probably like 24 years old and cute as a bug series with his fiance and her mother and the show I was doing was called, it was at the art house at the time, Miss Ridfield Flies Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Uh-huh. And the whole basis of the show was I was, once I did the opening number and everything, and then I say, okay, lock the doors. And you hear this crazy locking mechanism <laughs> and rolling and chains and, you know, lock. <laughs> and I said, because this is an intervention. You know, you're all here because oh, your families no. have, you know, and so it was a great idea, right? And then I would ask the person's name, and I had a book, you know, and I would flip through the book and go, okay, you know, and I would pretend to, like, look the person's name up. Okay, Tim, it's uh-huh. your last initial. Okay. So, you know, and then I would go off on a tear with this person. Wow. So his tear was that his mother had sent him, right? And so I would always try to pick kind of a younger person, and a guy, if I could, a straight guy. So I'd pick this guy. And for whatever reason, I asked him where his mother lived, and I never asked that. I would always, and that's another mm-hmm. thing, don't fucking go on on some weird tangent. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I just figured, now, what's your mother's name? You know, he'd say Linda or something. Okay, Linda. Now, where, you know, and then I would just go on. Well, I actually asked where this guy's mother lived, and he said, oh, um, and he sort of stuttered, and he was a real nice guy. He goes, well, she just passed, and he was young. So, I mean, like, this woman had to be, like, probably 15. Oh, like, what did she die? I mean, you know, you're doing the math and you're at like, oh, this woman died, you know, not, not like some, not like us. If we said my mother died, you know, she's probably in her 80s, yeah, you know, right. like of old age, you know. And I was like, oh, no. And the crowd, it was like, and I've never had anything like it 
thank God, before it said it was like every oh, ounce of oxygen was sucked out of there. Oh my God, like I'm getting butterflies just thinking about it. Oh, and uh, and <laughs> well, you like, had to do it thinking, so you would learn. Keep going, keep going, and yes, and so I'm talking. And I'm like, oh well, it couldn't have been her that contacted me then. It must have been somebody else. And um, but I said, you know, someone. But you're here for a reason. Da 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 da. da. And I kept going. I didn't stop. And I could, <laughs> I could feel the sweat going down my back. Oh. And that had never happened before. And I'm like, holy shit, I am sweating. And the whole back of me was just wet from like, I was wet from like the eyebrows down, you know, from just nerves. You had to have that happen. I mean. And And fortunately, the guy who owned the property at the time, Ben DeRider, was there. And he was like, man, I will never. (laughs) Every time he talks to me. He recounts that. You know, we only oh see each other like God. once a year. And he goes, God, you know, every so often I think back to that time that I saw you do that with that kid whose mother died. Oh. And he goes, man, that is when I knew you were a professional, that you mm-hmm. could get yourself out of that. Mm-hmm. Because he goes, <laughs> the room was like, and it wasn't a big crowd. It was like mm-hmm. kind of like half full. So it was maybe, you know, and how that goes, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, that's even worse, you know. And then... Um, and then there was a point at the sh- in the show where I had, because it was all therapy, so I had these mm-hmm. dolls that represented these people, right? Mm-hmm. So one of them was um, a, your pastor called me, one of them was mm-hmm. your boss called me, and one of them was your mother called me. So I had these dolls dressed up like these different people. Ugh. So in my mind, I'm like, somehow I'm going to have to get this guy around yeah. because I was too far into it to pick somebody else. And so I'm like, because then we have this thing where we do this number where we hit the dolls, you know, to like get get the uh, anger yeah. out, yeah. you know. It's like first wise club. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> hilarious. It's a, it was a hilarious number, and the, but the whole time I'm talking just, like, to him and my mouth is going, and I'm just like, what am I gonna do? You know, what am I gonna do? And I then um, I came back to him when I needed to bring him back up on stage for uh-huh. that, and I said, oh, I reread my notes. I read them too quickly. It's your mother-in-law who was there. Why I didn't think of that right away, you know, I mean, that would have been a quick thing. Like, oh, it wasn't your mother. It must have been her. That would have been helpful. Well, you were horrified. I was so horrified. And it's just like how I, like, managed to not, I don't know, melt into a ball and, like, quit performing for the rest of my life. It was so traumatic. Thank God you did it. Thank God I did it. Thank God you lived to tell about it. Thank God I lived to tell about it. But that's, like, one of several horrifying experiences that you have and you yeah, just like, everyone has but you don't stories. stop mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys in your plays and musicals and everything have had you know mm-hmm. you get in the middle mm-hmm. of a number and I'm crazy not me I've that. been blessed right <laughs> not everyone but you Ben you know the rest of us and um, we play a game with all of our guests alright um, which is called Dolly Concert Kill in the vein of Mary Fuck Kill I don't even know that. So that game is where we would say three people and you choose which one to marry, which one to fuck, and which one to kill. Oh, oh, that one. Oh, okay. Or Or cliff, people call it, who you push off a cliff. But so um, in this version, we'll give you three performers. Okay. We want to know which one you'd like to see as Dolly Levi and Hello Dolly. Oh. And um, which one you'd see in concert and which one you would kill. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, so we have I mean, to do Marlo Thomas and Marla, I think. Barla, is oh, yes. And, and then, then uh, the third one be um, um, Dina Martina. Um, oh, we could keep it a, a P Town Potpourri. We could keep it a P Town Potpourri. To or, um, I was going to say Carol Channing because she's done much of that. I'm trying to think of who else we could. So. 
the very next time you happen to be just sitting there quietly watching TV and you see some nice lady who smiles as she scours or scrubs or rubs or washes or wipes or mops or dusts or cleans, remember, nobody smiles doing housework but those ladies you see on TV. Your mommy hates housework. Your daddy hates housework. I hate housework, too. And when you grow up, so will you. Because even if the soap or detergent or cleanser or cleaner or powder or paste or wax or bleach that you use is the very best one, housework is just no fun. Children, when you have a house of your own, make sure when there's housework to do that you don't have to do it alone. Little boys, little girls, when you're big husbands and wives, if you want all the days of your lives to seem sunny as summer weather, make sure when there's housework to do that you do it together. Uh, who, who Are there any other big uh, influences for you? Stars, well, singers? two big people that Miss Richfield always upholds. And one is Vonda K. Van Dyke who was Miss America 1965. Mm. <clears throat> and she was the only Miss America in the history of Miss Americas to win both the title and Miss Congeniality. Because usually Miss Congeniality oh. goes to a nice gal who's clearly possible. not going to win, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, Von Decay Van Dyke won both. And she's the only one in the history of Miss America, which is huge. And um, she did a ventriloquist act. Oh, my God. And, and she only had one lung. I mean, it's just... It, <gasps> Vonda. I mean, oh Vonda is it. And she's still alive today, to this day. God bless Never her. met her. And then, um, <clears throat> I take that back. I met her once, but it was before I started doing drag. The other person, yes, it was long gone, is Virginia Christine, who played Mrs. Olson on the Folgers commercials. Oh, oh wow. And that's a bit misfortunate, you know. And that's her so hometown of Stanton, Iowa, transformed their water tower into a coffee pot in yeah. her behalf. That's her beautiful. Honor. That is amazing. Clearly, like, how many people can say that? Yeah. Well, I think Not she needs to be on the list. Virginia Christine. Virginia Christine would be. Along with And she was also in Look Who's Coming to Dinner. Uh, guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Whatever. The other movie? With, um, yeah. What is it? What? Who's, look Who's Coming uh, With um, uh, Catherine Hepburn uh, and, Hepburn and um, Spencer and, Tracy mm-hmm. and um, Sydney Portnier. Mm-hmm. Sydney Portnier. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And she was the she was the evil lady with the cigarette. Oh, I haven't If you watch that movie again, that was Virginia Christine and she was, you know, like, oh, I can't believe that you're having that young man in your house and you get out of here. (laughs) Get in your car and drive away, Virginia Christine. Oh my God, now I'm down to watch this. All right, so Virginia Virginia, Virginia, Marla, and Marla. And Marla. And Marla. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so now I have to decide who is, who I want to see in a concert. Yeah. Concert, Who? Dolly Levi on Broadway. Do- oh, Dolly Levi. That's the concert when Dolly Levi, right? No, there's two. One is for Dolly Levi, one is for a concert, and one is to die. To die. Concert, cabaret show, whatever that means to Yeah. You. Got it. Okay, this is going to be easy, because Varlow, I would want to see as Dolly Levi. Uh, okay. I mean, that would just be... Yeah, what? so funny. Although, I don't know, when you told me about the coffee pot and the water tower, I was picturing um, Virginia I don't, coming I don't know if Virginia Christine could sing. I'm not sure. I mean, you know, Dolly is not the hardest singer. Right. But I think Miss Richfield... What I think Miss Richfield would, would say, if I was yes. Miss Richfield, uh-huh. which I'm not, clearly, but if I was... Well, Miss Richfield would want herself to be Dolly. Miss Richfield. Right. She would have a hard time envisioning anyone, you know, doing anything, <laughs> you know, that she didn't do but first. But um, I think she would want to see Varla do Dolly Levi, because yes. that would just be... 
such a perfect thing for Varla. And then I think um, uh, in concert, I would mm-hmm. love to see Marlo Thomas mm-hmm. because I think mm-hmm. she would be, a, or in a cabaret or something. Yeah, yeah. interesting yeah. to see her and then have totally. her. She would do fold some of these it, yeah, and fold it in, do some of her stuff, and then talk about that girl and talk about mm-hmm. her um, move, the women's movement, and talk about Saint Jude and talk her about dad. her father yeah. and growing Phil up Donahue. in show business. I know so they're much. still married. They got married in eighty, I think, and wow. they're still married. So, um, but I would love to see her in a cabaret. And then Virginia Christine would be the one who but I she's would dead want. Anyway. Because she's dead anyway. So it's be- it she's already out. dead. You didn't have Perfect. to kill anybody. I didn't have to kill anyone. And Miss Richmond would not want to kill anyone. That was a class act. <laughs> that was a lesson in, in everything. Yay. Oh, yes, I, I wish we didn't have to set the bar up. <laughs> Otherwise, we could talk all afternoon. We'll, 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 we'll come back. We'll have to turn the ice again. machine back on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, oh, we should do that before that. Oh. Well, thank you. You're wonderful. Thank no, you, Miss Russ, Miss Richfield. Um, people can follow you on social media. Yes, correct? I have Facebook and I have an Instagram that I'm finally trying to like do on a regular basis. My manager really handles Facebook, but you can always contact me through that. And we don't post a lot, but a little bit. And, and then I have my website, MrChill.com. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the Instagram. YouTube. The YouTube. Mm-hmm. Miss Richfield doesn't have a YouTube right now until she can buy one at Walgreens. <laughs> She'll find it. When she, yes. When she, <laughs> no, but actually, if you go to my website, it has a little button that says my VHS tapes. <laughs> it takes you to the YouTube. Love, yes. Love, All right. Love. Well, thank you. Love you. Russ, uh, Miss Richfield. This is an honor. Yes. Thank you, guys. Oh, this you are. Honor. Honor. I mean, we're you know, so honored. Like, we're chuffed. Guys. We're such fans, and we're so excited for the well, listeners to Well, thank you so us. much. You guys are so beautiful. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. <laughs> Come back next week as we conclude our special Winter in a Summertown mini-season with four-time Tony nominee Judy Kuhn, who will be chatting with us live from BroadwayCon. Judy's coming in to chat about Joni Mitchell's landmark 1971 album, Blue. Our new season begins February 10th with Tony Award winner Lena Hall coming in to talk about Guns N' Roses' appetite for destruction. After Lena, we'll be chatting with Drew Drogi, Allison Frazier, and Nathan Lee Graham. This episode was recorded at the Pilgrim House in Provincetown. Visit them online at pilgrimhousepetown.com. This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Remelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Remelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Because Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.